0: Finding Purpose, The Song of My Life, Episode 9, Together in California, and Searching for Truth. Welcome back, friends. Thomas and I were both happy to be leaving West Berlin and heading out for our new hippie life in sunny California. As I was packing and considering what to take back with me, I found the letters from my parents, writing in response to my letters about our problems the past year. I did have to admit to myself that it had been somewhat of a depressing year. I threw all those letters away and was ready to move on. I believed that our lives would change now because Thomas and I were both on the search for truth and spiritual enlightenment. We were in love and were confident that our relationship would blossom. Once we were in California, the flight from Berlin took us first to London for a long stopover. This was like coming full circle, where I had started my Europe trip and later had received Thomas's letter there, saying that he loved me and wanted me to return to Berlin. Now, our arrival in London would mean a new beginning for Thomas and our first travel adventure together. From the Heathrow Airport, we took the train into London and then the underground tube to Piccadilly Circus, where all kinds of hippies and maud people hung out. I had been there with my sister so it was a familiar area for me. First we went into an Indian dress boutique and I tried on a few long embroidered dresses. I was considering which one to buy when Thomas said I should just put a couple of dresses in my camera bag instead of paying for them. I was nervous about doing that but he was very convincing so I paid for one and we left with three dresses. As we walked along one of the side streets, we came up to an antique shop with outdoor table displays, and Thomas had his eye on a Buddha statue. Before I even knew what was happening, he picked the bronze statue up, slipped it under his black leather jacket, and kept on walking. I was hoping that no one would come running after us. So that was our first eventful travel day. Back to the airport, we checked in for our flights to the United States, Next stopover was Los Angeles. At Customs in LA, they stamped my passport with the date of arrival being the 30th of October, 1971. We had a short layover before getting on the plane to San Francisco. I felt free at last, being on home territory, where I could understand what everyone was talking about. Thomas, on the other hand, was disturbed by the whole atmosphere and on observing the Americans as we waited. Everyone seemed so happy and friendly, and he was commenting to me how fake they seemed. He was starting to wonder if he had made a mistake by coming to California. I was nervous as we arrived in San Francisco, knowing that I would be finally seeing my parents again. After all that had happened since I was gone, I didn't know how they would react in meeting Thomas. Once we saw each other, my fears melted away, both my parents had tears in their eyes as they hugged me and warmly greeted Thomas. My dad was trying to play it cool, though I knew he wasn't impressed at the sight of my German boyfriend with his long ponytail and bell-bottom pants. We piled into my parents' car and left San Francisco on the freeway towards the Bay Bridge and our home in San Lorenzo. Now Thomas's culture shock was beginning. A different world than what he had imagined was going to be his new home. First sight was the wide freeways with all the gigantic cars and then pulling up into the driveway of our house in the suburbs. Though our home was in a typical middle-class area, it looked large and fancy to him since he had grown up in apartment buildings in a big city. As Dad and Thomas unloaded the suitcases, my mom held open the doors to the entry hall. Thomas had never seen a screen door before, and as he walked in, he was amazed at the soft wall-to-wall carpet as he carried our bags back into the bedrooms. It was so nice to see my little sister, Darla, again, and of course, Teresa, since I hadn't seen her since we had said goodbye in London. After all the greetings and hugs, we sat down around the kitchen table for some hot chocolate with mini marshmallows, which was also a new treat for Thomas. He was feeling happy and relaxed now around my family. His parents had taken me and my sister into their home and had been such a help and support to us. Now it was his turn to get to know my family and our lives in California. My sisters gradually retreated to their rooms and Thomas and I got cozy on the couch in the living room with mom and dad. After all the small talk, dad got down to the serious part. He was not one to beat around the bush. He explained that he knew we had been living together in Berlin, but he did not approve of this kind of relationship. He made it very clear to Thomas that we would have separate bedrooms during our stay with them and that he expected him to respect the family house rules. Thomas was already familiar with my dad's opinion because of the phone calls and letters I had received in Berlin from him. I was relieved that he seemed to show some respect towards my dad's conditions by agreeing to his rules. It was comforting for me to be back with my family and so special to be sitting together at meals that included Thomas now. Since I had asked my dad to sell my car while in Berlin, I was happy that he let me borrow theirs. I wanted to drive Thomas around and show him where I grew up. I took off on the freeway for a drive through Hayward, then Oakland, and on to Berkeley. We decided that we would spend a couple of hours there looking around. We checked out the university area and walked down the main road telegraph and mingled with the hippies who were sitting around smoking marijuana and playing guitars. Thomas was beginning to feel more at home now and probably thought he had found his people because now he knew where he could get hash. On another day, we drove over the Golden Gate Bridge to San Francisco, the city he had heard so much about. We went down to the wharf area to get a view of the bay and then drove over to the Haight-Ashbury district where the hippies lived. There were groups of musicians everywhere playing and singing out on the lawns of Golden Gate Park. I think this is where Thomas got his vision of becoming a jazz musician in San Francisco. My high school girlfriend had been anxiously waiting for us to come over so she could meet my German boyfriend. She came and picked us up at my parents' house so we could spend a couple of nights at her place, which also meant we could sleep in the same bed there. She had gotten married during the time that I was in Germany, and they lived in a cottage on her husband's parents' property. We had so much catching up to do, so we were glad to see that our guys hit it off pretty quickly. Thomas and her husband, who had recently returned from Vietnam, passed the joints back and forth as they discussed the need for people to drop out and tune their minds into the cosmic oneness. Thomas got out my guitar and played some meditative melodies that created the perfect atmosphere for our first spiritual evening together. This was the beginning of a new friendship for Thomas that would lead to many discussions between them. One main topic was the importance of dropping out of the traditions of the establishment and finding your own truth. This mainly meant for them experimenting with drugs and not having a nine-to-five job. My girlfriend drove us back to my parents' house a couple days later. Good thing that my dad didn't know we had been smoking dope at her house. Thomas was content now, knowing that we already had friends that were on the same wavelength as us. At home, things started to get tense. My dad was wondering when we were going to look for jobs and get our own place. He was especially worried about me because I didn't seem to have a plan for looking for work. He knew it would be easy for me to check in at the photo labs where I'd been employed before I went to Europe. But even though I had worked in Berlin, I seemed to be following Thomas's motto now that a normal job was a waste of time and energy. I had obviously changed a lot since living in Germany, and much to his concern, he knew it was because of Thomas's influence. Here I was thinking that I was learning from Thomas not to be uptight and to just enjoy life. The reality was that we were in California because my parents had paid for our flights, and now we were living in their house and using their car. Gradually, a war was building up between my dad, who wanted to protect me, and Thomas, who wanted to save me from the conservative world of my parents. When dad came home from work, he would sit in the living room after dinner to relax and watch the news. Then he would look for the opportunity to start discussing our situation with Thomas again. He was hoping to talk some sense into this 19-year-old German kid, but found out that talking wasn't going to help. Thomas, besides being defensive, was very convinced of his philosophies and wasn't shy about speaking his mind. His initial response to my dad's rules the day we arrived were gradually changing. I think he was feeling bolder after finding friends who had the same perspectives as we did. He was definitely not interested in my dad's advice, especially when he would bring up the topic of the Bible and Christian morals. My dad tried to explain to him that in God's eyes, we were living in sin because we had sex outside of the marriage bond. At the same time, he didn't want to encourage us to get married either. Dad would try to explain about God's commandments that he was the creator and he set the laws for man for good reasons. They were to teach people the difference of right and wrong. And if people would obey what is in the Bible, then their lives would be blessed. Even though Thomas had never read the Bible, he argued that it was too narrow-minded and everyone should find their own way. If my dad at that time would have known all of the stealing Thomas was into and that he had taught me that it was okay, he would have never even let us under his roof. As it was, their discussions turned into heated arguments and I could see it was making my dad very frustrated and angry. Finally, after a couple of weeks of this, My dad gave us a deadline, saying that we needed to move out and be responsible for ourselves. My mom was upset about all the disagreements and was sad that we were being kicked out of the house. At the same time, she knew the dad was right and they needed to be firm with us. We were thankful that our friends invited us to stay with them, and they helped us eventually find a place on 37th Avenue in Oakland. Now we were free to start our new life according to our own ideals. We didn't have much money left, so it was perfect that the rent was only $75 a month, of course not including utility costs. It was a run-down wooden house that was divided up into four small apartments. Our section was on the ground floor and had two rooms, a kitchen, a bathroom with an old-fashioned bathtub, a back porch, and a yard area. Thomas was excited about having a garden, since he had only lived in city apartments. He even did a drawing of the layout of the apartment in his first letter to his parents. He was so happy about getting set up there and doing some renovations. To start with, we decided to paint all the walls and the rough wooden floor white because we believed this represented holiness. My parents gave us a mattress, a table and chairs, and we moved the antique dresser from my bedroom to our new house. We discovered that it was the perfect place for an altar, where we put the Buddha statue from London. I had already collected dishes and pots and pans from thrift stores when I was living at home. I had plenty of blankets, pillows, decorative shawls, and even candles that I had made myself. My dad gave Thomas some woodworking tools, and he got busy making some little cupboards and shelves. Since living in West Berlin, I was already accustomed to not having a telephone or TV and getting around the city by using public transport. This lifestyle meant we didn't need much money to get by. It was interesting how we ended up at this address and then discovered that one of our neighbors was German. She reminded me of Omi. Her name was Elizabeth, and she had immigrated to the U.S. in 1912 from Berlin, of all places. Her English wasn't very good, but Thomas was happy to speak German with her. She offered us an extra gas stove she had for our kitchen. When we went into her house, it reminded me of my German grandmother's home because she also had plaques with scriptures on her walls. And whenever we spoke with her, she would end by saying, Jesus is the Lord. Our first goal was to plant a vegetable garden so we could have healthy food and not need to buy much. We planned to make things to sell at the Alameda Flea Market. I wanted to redesign clothes that I found at thrift stores. My dad, in trying to show his support, bought me a portable sewing machine. And Thomas got the idea from some hippie friends to make wooden flutes and baskets. We started our day meditating and doing yoga exercises. Then we would sit out in the sunny backyard and eat our breakfast of oats and freshly picked blackberries that were already growing out there. We were quite the attraction for the older neighbors, who we did notice were always keeping an eye on us. If you can imagine their view of Thomas with his long hair, no shirt so that he could get a tan, and sitting cross-legged in the grass weaving baskets. If I wasn't in the house sewing, I would also be outside crocheting little hats to sell. I also made Thomas a shirt and pants out of white linen and embroidered some Egyptian symbols. One was similar to a cross and another was a lotus blossom that represented inner peace and new life. Sometimes we would have our friends over for home-cooked meals with a soup of our fresh vegetables, home-grown bean sprouts on lettuce, and whole wheat flatbread with almond butter. I was collecting various herbs for special teas that I served as we spent late evenings talking about the latest book we were reading and playing the bongos, the flutes, the guitars, and my little Indian hand cymbals. I loved having friends over. This is something we hadn't done together in Berlin. One such book that we spent a lot of time reading and discussing was called The Aquarian Gospel. We thought it was fascinating because it told a mystical version about who Jesus was that was different than the story of Jesus in the Bible. Since we had become critical of our culture and society in general, we were open for new revelations. It was based on astrology, the idea that an Aquarian age had come upon us, bringing with it the need of a new spiritual gospel. One evening after our friends had left. Thomas and I laid down on our mattress on the floor to go to sleep. I started getting a splitting headache like I had never experienced before. Thomas was concerned, and we considered if we should call a doctor. But instead, Thomas made me some tea and played some quiet music, and gradually the headache disappeared. The next day, I felt fine, but actually I had the thought that maybe what we had read in that book could have caused this scary headache. It seemed as though I had been attacked by something evil. So needless to say, I didn't open that book anymore. This wasn't the only strange experience that we had. Thomas, in his pursuit of spiritual knowledge, would go regularly to a shop in downtown Oakland that sold books about cults and Eastern religions. His regular habit was stealing the book of his choice by putting it under his coat and walking out. But besides that, he said it was spooky there because weird men would hang around him and ask him what type of book he was looking for. He told me that they were Satanists and were trying to influence people to buy their books and come to their meetings. In the meantime, Thomas had made a small cupboard for our collection of books, which we would pull off the shelf as we felt led. My Bible was also there in the lineup, but we never had an interest to open it. The hippie scene was being bombarded at that time with every kind of religious philosophy out there. Basically, we recognized that they all had similarities, but we didn't seem to find exactly what we were looking for. We joined in on a beautiful Krishna procession one day in San Francisco, which was a far out experience because we thought we had finally found our people, our tribe. I even have a picture of us there in the crowd. But after going to a ceremony at the Krishna temple in Berkeley, where we chanted to the beats of the drums and cymbals, ate the fried bananas from the altar, we weren't too impressed by the people we met. We knew that group sex and drugs was a part of their communal practices. This didn't seem too attractive to us. On the way home on the bus, we talked about it. We thought they seemed prideful and unnatural. Even though they had big smiles on their faces, it seemed fake. We felt they were trying to woo us in, but we weren't convinced that they really had the true truth. The attitude of pride about their beliefs that we noticed seemed to be a common and predominant factor in all of the circles that we came in contact with. Here are just a few of the teachings we were following. They were a mixture of Eastern religions, new age beliefs, occult practices, and even Christian themes but always with a twist on the meaning of the Bible and who Jesus was. We were sure, though, that we were on the right path that led to the light. So here we go. Get in tune with the universal gods through nature, music, drugs, sex, yoga, deep breathing, and meditation. Worship the creation and Mother Earth. Hug the trees and speak to the flowers. Trust the laws of nature rather than man's destructive goals in building civilizations. Study the stars to understand who you are and what your future will be. Bring your prayers to the Buddha statue and find peace and harmony. Find your center. Concentrate on the light. Push away negative thoughts. Empty your mind and relax play instruments and sing, let the vibrations lead you into the cosmic atmosphere, into nirvana and bliss. Look to your Christ consciousness and the example of Jesus as the perfect man who learned wisdom and miracle powers from the ancient yogis. Everyone is on a journey to find themselves. Believe in second chances and reincarnation, that we are evolving, always learning how to reach the next step, and being reborn daily like the lotus flower. You must change your focus to find balance. Eat natural foods and herbs to be pure and holy. Open your minds to the divine spirits. Believe in inner healings of your mind and body. Listen to your heart. Find your truth. Follow your heart. Love your neighbor. Believe in yourself. Repeat mantras to help you stay on the right spiritual path. Use your power of concentration as prayer to manifest your wishes and dreams. Find a guru or a coach or a mentor to teach you the way on your upward path. Join the universal message that we are all one, being resurrected and reborn into a community like Utopia. People need to practice love, seek peace and acceptance of all mankind. There is a God who is connected with us and who has a plan of communal resurrection that will transform us and our world. There are many truths and there are many ways to God. Basically, Thomas and I had three questions in our search for purpose. What is truth? Who is God? And how can we connect with him? The most important part of our search became the desire to be in touch with nature. In West Berlin, we loved going for long walks in the parks and forests where we could be alone. We always had special times of sharing and enjoying each other's company. Now in California, yet living in the city of Oakland, we had to plan such outings. One amazing trip we took with our friends in their car was to Zion National Park in Utah. They had a tent and camping gear and we borrowed sleeping bags from my parents, so we were glad to head out for the mountains. This would turn out to be a pivotal experience for us, so I would like to share some of Thomas's writings from a letter to his mother, because it gives you an idea of what he felt being surrounded only by nature. It was a long, beautiful poem, a story of his impressions, which I'm sure were influenced by the hash he was smoking with our friends. I have tried to translate a few parts of it. Our first night in the desert of Nevada was in contrast to the dry, dusty earth and the sandy rocks we saw there. The night was exotic, glowing bright, with intense rays of light from the stars that dwelled in the dark blue velvet heavens. The next day, we entered the majestic Zion Park. We set up our tent in an area where there were no other people, just animals, plants, and mountains." The colors of the giant stone mountains are all in shades of red, but when you look closely, you discover every color of the rainbow. We were greeted in the morning by the golden sun and the songs of many birds. We started the day with a climb up the mountain, and we were amazed at the endless red colors and the dark blue sky above us. In describing the eagle and the sounds of the animals, he wrote, The powerful communication waves that were formed back of the ice age of the mountains reach us and reflect perfect harmony. At night, after our meal cooked over the open fire, we enjoyed a glorious sunset and we recognized Venus as the first to shine in the heavens and then the Milky Way and the falling stars. We returned to the cosmos into a deep sleep for the night. Two days later, we set up camp in Bryce Canyon, and we were met by two horses that came up and shook their manes in recognition of our arrival. The four of us, barefooted, ascended up the red marble stone hills and were astounded to find the ruins of an Indian camp in an open cave. We had imaginations of a large family living there. We could see their lives, how they lived in freedom on the land, and then were pushed back by the invading settlers. They for sure had been closer to paradise, God, or Nirvana than the civilized conquerors. The highlight of our discovery was finding dried-up corn cobs, a symbol of cultivation of the earth, working within the pulsating existence. This discovery was very moving. It was like a spontaneous connection with the Indian spirit. It seemed like an eternity as we knelt there in deep meditation. The next day, we traveled north and pitched our tent among a pine forest. Sitting around the campfire in the evening, a sudden cold wind came up. At first, we thought it was some kind of warning or a sign, but in the morning, we had our answer, snow. Just hours before, we had all laid naked in the sun, and now snow. Our friends feared that we might freeze the next night, but Thomas the German knew what to do. We gathered branches to wrap around the tent for protection and then set up the cooking stove near the entrance. The tent got smoky, but at least we were all warm as we snuggled up in our sleeping bags. We fell asleep to the sound of the falling snow, but for us it was like the relaxing sound of the ocean waves on a sunny beach. The next day we packed up and drove back to our private place in Zion. As couples, we decided to take our sleeping bags and go separate ways to find a place to spend the night. We arrived at the top of a hill with a spectacular view. It was as if we were on the ceiling of the world and yet in the center of the earth. As we sat there alone under the stars, we could hear the ancient melodies of the whole universe that echoed the sound of my flute. On the way home, one more night in the desert, the four of us watched as the moon and Venus almost looked like an eclipse. We sat in awe of the creation and felt like we were the only people in the whole world watching. Sadly, back to the real world, our vacation with our friends came to an end. Driving into Oakland, we felt like strangers now in a big, dirty, loud city. We were happy at least that we had a cozy home and a flourishing garden that waited us. It had been a wonderful adventure into the wilderness, and now we were filled with energy to begin forging new plans for our future. So bye for now. Stay tuned to hear more about our adventures, and check out my photo stories on Instagram. I have lots of pictures of our trip to Utah.